Take your Bible and go to the book of Philippians chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 27 in just a moment. Choir, thank you, our multi-gen group, for uh, being here. Grateful to the Lord uh, for all of you being in your place this day. Give them another hand as they come down and thank the Lord for them. They've been working hard. Thank you, John. Uh, for doing my song today too, man. Yeah, turn your eyes upon Jesus. When you turn your eyes upon Jesus, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. And that's where we must be looking today. Well, I come to Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30 in a message entitled, Moving Olive Forward. Philippians chapter 1, and we began in verse 27. Read through verse number 30. You follow along with me as I read, because this now is the word of our great God. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I, Paul, come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. Father, I bless your name. Thank you, your faithfulness unto us. And I ask you now, the Holy Spirit of God, that you would come, use my lips to impart this word, make this message burn in our heart, convict us, grow your church, save the lost, and get glory to your name. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Moving Olive forward. 31 years ago, our family arrived in Pensacola on this day and spent the night in what was then the Holiday Inn at University Mall. Uh, it was Halloween evening and there were ghouls and goblins everywhere that night. But what gripped my heart about this church, the Spirit of God would not turn me loose to come and I came at his direction as best I knew. But in an eyesight way, that, that impressed me about this church was that there was a vision that was always prioritized in the laity of this church that moved the church forward. We arrived here October 31. Next Sunday was really the first Sunday for me to preach, but I came on a Wednesday night for the business meeting. And in that business meeting, the church without a pastor voted to purchase for $625,000 25 acres of land that was right behind the present 12 acres that the church plant sat on. And today, we are sitting in a building that was built just years later on that 25 acres. And later, we stretched out and bought more. There was a doctor that wanted to buy this property. 
But we believe by God's sovereignty, he put his hand on this 25 acres right behind the corner of Olive and Davis and said, no, I've got a church plan for that property. It was in the interim. Not a pastor, but the laity, especially being deacon-led, encouraged Leon Walden, who was in the real estate business, to go after this property. And they bought it to stretch it out. That's what impressed me about this church, that there was a vision that was prioritized go forward, not sitting still, even without a pastor, to say, let's go. We must prepare for what God has for us for the future. Move Olive forward. And they've always been doing that. We would not this morning have been equipped to do what we did in COVID with online and everything else that we do with television, radio, had not a man by the name of Dave Talley. Years ago over in old Russo Hall, he hadn't mashed two buttons. He often tell me this story. He said, I sat on the balcony edge of old Russo Hall. He said, I mashed those two buttons on that little cassette recorder. Some of you old enough to remember them. Push those two buttons and you would record a cassette tape. That started the broadcast ministry. Later, television, radio. When I got here for the first five years, at 9.30, we were live. When that red light came on, you were live on television that first five years. That made for some interesting times. Friend, you had to start on time. There's nothing longer than dead time on live television. Ten seconds of that's like ten minutes. This morning at 1 a.m., Dave Talley, who started this broadcast ministry, breathed his last. Eighty-eight years old, stepped into glory on the other side. I went and visited Miss Faye this morning. We had a circle of prayer with that family, thanking God. Just before I walked in here, I received a photo on my phone of a little boy sitting in a chair, watching me on a computer in the early service. They couldn't come today, and his mother took the picture and said, we couldn't get out this morning, some situations, but we're watching. I sent that to Dave's son, Paul, and said, if it were not for your father, we would not have been equipped for this. Only heaven will record that man's impact, always looking forward, advancing the body life of the church. Well, today I, I've had memories, I'm, I'm looking back, but we dare not live back there. I think about today, but we dare not live here. We must jettison this church to the future, move Olive forward. That's what it's always done, and that's what we must continue to do. Let's go win the world. Amen? That's our job from here. Let's take the gospel to the four corners of the county, of the country, and of the globe as we send out the good news of the Lord Jesus. That's exactly what Paul is saying to the church at Philippi. If we're going to do it, he gives us some anchors to nail down and some 
PowerPoints to say these must be accomplished. This attitude is what takes you into the future. How do we move Olive forward? Let's, let's look into this text. First of all, I want you to see that if we're going to move the church forward, uh, there is a conduct that we must display. There is the conduct that we display. Look at it in verse 27. You've got your Bible open. Paul says, only conduct. There's our conduct. Only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Euangelion is that word, two words put together. News, good, good news that we uh, go forward. EU is on the front of that. It's like the word eulogy when somebody dies. If you eulogize them, EU, you put that. That's good. And logos on the back is word. That's a good word that you speak about the dead. I've been to some funerals when there was not a place for a eulogy. There wasn't any good news to share but here we have eu good gelion it is our news the gospel it's the good news of god hey here's the good news friend you deserve hell every one of you me included everybody here you deserve hell you say preacher you don't know how good i am oh yes i do and you're not good enough no one is good enough. But here's the good news. Even though you are not qualified to get there, God stooped and sent his son, and Jesus died. And no matter your sin, he reached to save even. Glory to God to the uttermost. He brought you out of the pit and set you on a firm foundation and said, your sins are forgiven. I've cast them as far as the east is from the west. I put them behind my back and I remember them no more. You are saved, 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 and forgiven. Glory to God for you and Gelion for good news. And we must display that good news. We must conduct ourselves in a manner word of the gospel. Now watch this. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Here's what's to be on display in the church. The same way that God has forgiven us, we must forgive others. It's a radical forgiveness. And a church without radical forgiveness will implode and die. We receive the radical forgiveness of, of God in Christ to us and forgives our sin, hallelujah. But then we must display this radical forgiveness one to another. Jesus gives the greatest sermon that was ever preached in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And right in the middle of it, he gives the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And all the way through, thine is the power. But then after the prayer, he keeps preaching. And in verses 14 and 15 of Matthew 6, Jesus says these words. For if you forgive others of their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Mm. 
But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. Radical forgiveness. No matter how you've been bruised by another, you must forgive as God forgave you. If you don't, the church will sour, turn inward, and die. Jesus said about it in Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24, if you're presenting your offering at the altar, and there you remember your brother has something against you, leave your offering <laughs> before the altar and go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come present y'all. Can you imagine? I call on some guy to come, pray the prayer for the offering. I say, oh, we about to take our offering. Everybody in the building runs to the door. So we'll be back, preacher. We, we, for, we got under conviction. We got all against our brother. We, we got to go make. God says it's more correct to be right with your brother than it is to give you money. And giving your money cannot cover for your unforgiving spirit toward a brother. If you bring your offer anything, uh-oh. Well, stick your money back in your pocket. Go make it right with your brother. Then come give your offering. But he goes farther than that. In Mark's gospel, chapter 11, in verse 25, Jesus said, whenever you stand to pray, forgive. And you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. I call on you. I say, hey, hey, would you stand and lead us as we pray? And you stand up to pray and say, oh, Lord. Preacher, I'll be back in a minute. And you got to go make it right with something. Friend, let me tell you, it's more important to go forgive your brother than it is to give your money. It's more important to go forgive your brother or your sister than it is to stand and pray. It's radical forgiveness. Paul said, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now listen to me. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Why do you say that? Because darkness causes bitterness to grow the sunshine will cause the grass and the flowers to grow but darkness is what causes bitterness to grow you turn inward and you don't tell anyone and you just brood and and think on it and sour and sulk and sin and say bless God they did that to me and I will not forgive I will not forget and I will just be like this. Who have you blessed? Nobody. You turn bitter. And everywhere you speak, you're bitter. And people see it and smell it and taste it. And you've got to forgive. You see, friend, that's the conduct. We are to display this radical forgiveness. You want to tell, I'm telling you what's happening in this church. At Olive Baptist Church, the reason, part of the favor of God on this church is because we've dealt with issues. And people love one another. Now, no one's ever said anything bad about me, but I know some of you go through this. I mean, in 31 years, I've never made anyone mad by what I preached or with the action I took. Everybody's just been, you know. <laughs> no, well, let me tell you, you live for Jesus. It's, it's not all honey and no bees. I mean, you, there are issues. But if you turn inward and get sour and mad, 
don't forgive. One of the greatest illustrations of this is found in John's Gospel, chapter 4. Jesus is walking, he's tired, and he's thirsty, and he goes to the well, and the woman of Sychar is there. And, and she says, you don't have a bucket? And he said, no. And uh, he talks to her about living water. And she said, I perceive that you're <laughs> the holy man. And he confesses that he is indeed the son of the living God. And she said, let me go tell my husband. And he said, he's not your husband nor the five you've had before. Son, he got in her business. That's when she went into town and told the guy, said, I, I perceive that there is a man of God. He tells me about my life. Now, when I get to heaven, in the second millennium I'm there, I want to look up this woman. And I want to know the rest of this story. Because Jesus and John tell me nothing. But this morning I have a sanctified imagination. And she, she's a five. She had five husbands. You cannot have five husbands and, and not have conflict. The reason I know that is because you can't have one husband and not have conflict. And when you multiply that by five, what happened? I, I don't know. But, but maybe, maybe the first husband was unfaithful at another well with another woman. And that lady with Jesus had to forgive him of his unfaithfulness. Maybe one of those husbands abused her. You don't soon get over that. But radical forgiveness forgives. Maybe one of those husbands kicked her out with nothing and in that culture took all of the finance and left her destitute. Hmm. I don't know, but I do know this. You'd have to forgive to walk with Jesus. What is that thing online that tell the Bible stories and you can watch it and it tells this woman's story? What is it? Yeah. In the new version, she reconciles with her first husband. Now that's not Bible. They can't prove that. They just have a more sanctified imagination than I do. They didn't just tell it. They, they acted it out. But listen to me. When Jesus radically saves you, he gives you power to radically forgive those who have bruised you, have hurt you, have hated you, have despised you, and yet God through you allows you to display a life worthy of the gospel. 
I said he gives you power to live a life worthy of the gospel. Amen. Yes. And that means you forgive. You say, preacher, I can't forget. God, you can't forgive. You, you say, I, I can't even forgive. Yes, you can forgive. Forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. You choose either to forgive or to hate. It's up to you. You say, I can't. I'm telling you, God will give you power. We've had people leave this church because they got mad and couldn't get right with people. We've had people that thought they weren't asked to sing enough and they left. Some of them were not asked to sing because they couldn't sing. Others were very good, but they wanted the spotlight. And they left, and you hate to see them go, but it's a blessed subtraction. It hurts my heart when anyone leaves this church. Even if they curse me and spit in my face before they leave, it still hurts me because a shepherd loves his sheep. I never want to see that. But there are people who turn and go. They don't always go because they're mad, but often out of preference. And they prefer somebody besides us. If they go, you must live a life worthy of the gospel with radical forgiveness. Yeah, radical forgiveness. It's the Jesus at the cross kind of forgiveness. There is the conduct we display. Secondly, there is the conviction we hold. Notice it in the text. So that whether I come, Paul says, or whether I remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in, here it is, one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of, and he could have said the one gospel. There is only one gospel, one spirit, one mind, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God over all, through all, and in all, Paul says in the book of Ephesians. Hear me, there is a narrowness to the gospel. There's not a lot of ways to heaven. There's one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. He's the only way. There is no other way. There's not a Muslim way. There's not a Confucius way and a Christian. There's just one way. It's the narrowness of the gospel. It's the conviction we hold. And you only jettison the church forward when you hold these convictions and preach them, not in meanness, but in love. Today is October 31. Uh, some say it's Halloween, and for some it will be. But today is Reformation Day. October 31, 1517, that's what October 31 is all about. It was the day that Martin Luther, he was arguing with the Catholic Church about indulgences. They were selling forgiveness. You give this much money, and the Pope will forgive your sin. Martin Luther said the Pope does not possess the power to take money and forgive my sin. And he was in argument with that. 
And so Luther wrote his 95 theses, and he nailed them to the door of the church house at Wittenberg, Germany. He didn't mean to raise a ruckus, but boy, did he raise a ruckus. It was a bulletin board in that day. The church was, that was the Twitter account of the day. If you wanted to put something out there, you put it on the door of the church, and people passed by, and they read it. That's the way you did it. Luther's 95 Thesis, the first of the 95, stated that Jesus called us to repentance and that Jesus alone can forgive. It is not in the purview of the Pope to forgive your sin. I love the story of the young man who told me one time, he said, I was Catholic, and I a guy asked him, he said, how do you get your sin forgiven? He said, I go to the priest in the confessional. And he said, well, it's good, but who's the priest talk to? He said, he talked to the cardinal. He said, well, who's the cardinal talk to? He said, he goes to the pope and the pope is forgiven. He said, well, who's the pope talk to? He said, the pope goes straight to heaven. He said, oh, glory to God, the pope's a Baptist. I said, amen. <laughs> That's the way you get your sin forgiven. You go straight to glory. No, no man, you don't give man money to forgive your sin, make penance. You confess your sin, Jesus said, I'm faithful, just forgive your sin. All unrighteousness I will cleanse you of it. This is the narrowness. Jesus is the high priest. And we go straight to the Father. Glory to God. You don't have to get in a wooden box, fall on your face and cry out to God, and He forgives your sin. Doesn't mean we don't need to pray one for another or with it, but it just says you can go straight to the fire. That's the conviction, and it is Bible conviction. And it is only that that will jettison the church forward in our world. There is the conduct we display moves us. There's the conviction we hold that moves us. But there's one last thing in this text, and it is the cooperation we share that moves us. Notice it right here in the text, in verse 27. I will hear of you that you are standing firm. Oh, yeah. In one spirit, one mind, striving together. Yes, striving together. It's two English words, but only one Greek word. It is the word... Sunephelos. Two words put together. S-U-N on the front. Soon we would pronounce it in the Greek New Testament. Not S-O-O-N, but S-U-N. Soon, it means together or with. We are close. And Altheos is the word we get our word athlete from. Altheos. It means to strive. Sometimes it is translated to wrestle. It's get after it. And so we strive together. Not striving by yourself, but striving together. And so we are all on the team. This is the cooperation that we share. Some usher, some sing, some play. Some preach, some teach. We all give. We all evangelize. But all together, we all do what God's gifted us to do, and we are all on the team together. We cooperate. 
And it takes us all, all. Only heaven will record most of the church activity. Because most of the time people won't know your name. My name's on the sign out by the road. It says Olive in big letters and underneath it has Ted H. Trailer Pastor. When the last hurricane came through, it blew my name off the sign. <laughs> Some guy found it in the road out there at Olive and Davis, that busy intersection. It was all crumpled and crinkled and he brought it to the church. He said, I found this. I think it belongs to the church. And Bobby took it and straightened it out and put me back on the sign. You can just be here today and gone tomorrow. It doesn't matter if your name's on the sign. It matters if your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And friend, there's not only just the Lamb's book of life. Revelation says there are other books and there is a Holy Ghost scribe who's writing it all down. The world may not see, but God sees and heaven's angels see and they are keeping a record and we are all to strive together. Not strive against each other, but striving together. Mm. On the team. Hallelujah. Who won the Super Bowl last year? Tampa Bay. Who's the quarterback? Tom Brady. Who's the long snapper? Zach Triner. They're on a team together. Did they both get a ring? Yeah. Did they both get paycheck? Super Bowl share? Yeah. They did. Why? Wow, they're on the same team. There was a story not long ago, both of these men had fingers that got hurt. You did not see an ESPN story about Zach Trainer, though it bothered him as a snapper. Tom Brady, if he has a hangnail, you see a story about that. Do, do these guys make the same amount of money? No. Tom Brady gets a great big check. Zach Triner gets a big check, but not a big check. <laughs> but they're both on the same team together. Now, I want to take that a step farther. Ben Roethlisberger with the Steelers and Tom Brady with the Bucks are on the same team. Because they're in the same business. They're in the football business. And, and they move a league forward. Yes, they do. One's at this location, one's over here in this location. Every now and then they have some competition. But there is a work they do that goes forward. Church, listen to me. What you do as an individual is important. What we do collectively is important. And if you get your proverbial nose bent out of shape, 
and get mad and will not show radical forgiveness, you get in the way of Olive moving forward. And listen, you say, well, I got mad. I'm just going to go over yonder. Listen to me. If you don't get right with God here, you're just going to take your bitterness over yonder. And when that pastor calls me and says, hmm, can you tell me about Sister Susie? And I always say, well, what do you want to know? Mm. it's called cooperation it's, it's called being on the team some of us serve some of us teach we all give we all testify we all evangelize we all invite but we are in this together right hand up in the air everybody if you're a member of the church point it right here toward the middle deal all right and what you do, you see these folks this afternoon, last time they get together, they all come together in a huddle, and the coach says, and he'll go one, two, three, and they go, team. So here you go. Everybody's got it in there. All right. One, two, three. That's pitiful. One, two, three. If you're on the team, let's go. We're in it together. And we strive together. Our buddies over at Hillcrest, we're in it with them together. Down at First Baptist, we in it together. Pisgah Baptist Church, where they'll have about 40 this morning, we're in it together. Amen. Because I can't reach from here, those people on the mountain, they will. Our folks in Romania, we're in it together. We're in it together. Moving olive forward. Paul said, whether I'm there or whether I'm not, Hey, folks, I ain't stupid. I may look stupid, but I'm not stupid. I know the most off-asked question in the hallway at Olive Baptist Church. How long is he going to stay? I'm not deaf. I hear you asking that question. Say, have you got a plan? No, I don't know. I've had a few people who think they're the junior Holy Ghost give me some advice. Paul said, whether I'm absent or whether I'm present, let me hear of you that you are living a life worthy of the gospel, striving together to make Jesus known. Amen? Let's take this church and take it to 2022. Let's take it to 2030. Let's get it ready so we go to 2040. We'll stand on the shoulders. She used to sit right there. Brother Gerald, in the seat you're in. Right there. Trudy and Leonard Owen used to sit right there. They were here for years and years. We got a check from Trudy's will last week. She's dead and won't quit tithing. <laughs> Amen. We stand on her shoulders and on Leonard's shoulders. Loma West 
you see the sign on the building says Howard West. It's her husband. He was the treasure. He's dead before I got here. But Loma was on the search team, brought me here. She lived right down the road. Dave Corson and I went by there after a storm one day. Dave had a big chainsaw. I sat on the end of the log and he cut it. Somebody had to keep it steady. We got done. Miss Loma walked out and we were kind of going through a little deal here at the church. She walked out and she pointed that proverbial finger at me and she said, Pastor, God called you to be our pastor, right? I said, yes, ma'am, he called me here. She said, nobody else is the pastor. Don't let them tell you anybody else is the pastor. Now, you go lead that church and be God's man. I don't want to hear nothing else out of you. When Miss Loma said it, you locked your heels and you went and did it. Amen. Praise God for that woman. How I loved Loma West. Her husband, who was the treasurer, he died in church on the way out. Dr. Passmore's preaching. He killed him while he is preaching. That's it. <laughs> Preached him right to the ground, he did, I'm telling you. We stand on their shoulders. And when you fast forward to 2050, people either stand on your shoulders, even names, they, they won't know your name. I shared with a staff this morning, Dave Talley died, and one of the staff members, one of the executive staff members looked at me and said, now, I, I've heard that name. Who is that? He wasn't even dead yet. Friend, it doesn't matter if people know your name here. They're keeping a record in glory. That's the record you ought to be concerned about. God knows and he never forgets. So live your life worthy of the gospel, and they'll write it in the book of books. And one day you'll get to heaven. They'll give you a crown. I don't get too popped up about it. Because you're going to take it off and throw it at Jesus' feet. But I sure don't want it to glory and have nothing to throw at Jesus' feet. We'll throw our crowns at the one who gave us radical forgiveness. You're here in this room today and you don't know Jesus. I want you to get up and come. Take my hand today. I've been praying for some of y'all to come. Got your name written in my Bible to come. I got one man's name written in my Bible. He died and best I know he didn't know Jesus. He said to me one day, he said, Pastor, if I just pray that prayer, I don't even, I, do I have to even believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Do I get to go to heaven if I just say the words? I said, no. That believing in the resurrection is a pretty big part. Without resurrection, there's no forgiveness. If you're here and believe today, come. Come run into Jesus. You need a church, come. Come today. Give your heart and life to Christ. Come join this family today. Come. I'm going to pray. As soon as I pray, I'm going to invite you to come. You're at home and online. Just send me a text. Just text at 94,000, the word Savior. We'll reach back to you and encourage you in the week ahead. If you need the Lord, you let us know that. You pray and call on his name. In this room, do the same. And come take my hand right here and say, Pastor, today, this is my day. Father, for my friends in this room that need you, draw them. Lord, they're scared. They need courage to come. Give it to them. 
Lord, there's some that saved need to come and join the family. Then God bring them to us. Have your way. Lord, not my way, not John's way, not even the olive way. God, have your way in every life. Oh, Spirit of God, draw us. And we give you praise.